You know, it is my great honor to bring you the book of Zechariah. It is really my great honor. Why? Uh, it's honor and, and nervousness at the same time because Zechariah is a, a, a book that is very close to me. A lot of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from this book of Zechariah. And you will see why in the, in, in the, in the eight weeks to come. You will see uh, that we're going to study a lot of the great books uh, that Jesus cloaks us in righteousness, that not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, that your king comes for you, that there is a day that it's going to be uh, recognized across the world, that there is one Lord, one, one body. Uh, uh, all these verses are amazing and it's close to me, but I know that it's not a, a very well-read book because it is a very complicated book to understand, all right? So I'm not saying I'm the expert, but I'm going to try my best to unpackage this very cryptic book uh, for all of us this morning. So I hope that you can follow me. Uh, this, this, yep, this is my sermon. Zach, it's, it's an overview of Zechariah. And there's uh, three ways that we can look at Zechariah. All right, so there's three different perspectives. I had the privilege to preach the first one at our workplace church. The first perspective is about the sovereignty of God. That ultimately, no matter what happens, God is still God and His plans will be fulfilled on this earth. We can't see yet because we are just a small speck in God's timeline. So we don't know what's the future. We can only have a glimpse into the past, but ultimately we trust God for our future. Then the second way to look at Zechariah is that God is the God of hope uh, and that's where I'm going to cover today. And the third view is if maybe PLM will do this, but it's to look at the viewpoint of Jerusalem and Israel, right? Uh, because this whole book is about the promised land. This whole book is about Jerusalem and Israel. Uh, so that's exciting. But today I want to bring a specific aspect of the overview to everybody, which is about the God of hope. Zechariah, if you read it in through the lens that God is still the God of hope, uh, even though it's quite, a, it's quite a cryptic book, that would be great to understand, uh, Zechariah. So this is a little collage I put in. Uh, uh, the reason why it's so difficult to understand is because there are a lot of big words in the book of Zechariah. There's a lot of big themes, right? And there, the number four comes out a lot. Uh, four winds, there's four horns, there's four craftsmen, there's four horsemen. Uh, you don't get this in the book of Matthew. Okay, you don't get this in the, in the book of Mark, right? But you do get it in the Old Testament. Then there's seven eyes. Why seven? Then there's one stone. Then there's two golden lampstands. Then there's two golden olive trees, right? Then it talks about the branch. It talks about earthquake and plague. Then it talks about a basket. Then it talks about a flying scroll. Then it talks about a woman. Uh, why woman? I was talking to my wife. She's like, why woman? Why can't it be a man in a basket? Why does it have to be a woman? That's, and I'm like, well... Well, I'm a man, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> but you understand when we get to the, uh, chapter 5. Uh, but, but, but don't worry so much. Let me try to unpackage it a little bit with this one picture. If you forget everything today, just remember this one picture, all right? Uh, as you can guess, this is the picture of the Sistine Chapel. It's a beautiful place. If you have not been, uh, uh, I, I, well, don't go now, Okay. <laughs> go when, 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 when we get a vaccine, maybe in two years' time, to go and actually have a look at a 16 chapel. This is one of the places that I've, I always wanted to visit, all right? Uh, if you watch the movie, The Two Popes, uh, I encourage you to watch it. It's a, it's a good movie. Uh, uh, they talk half the time in the 16 chapel. Now, why am I showing you this? Because Zechariah is actually a contemporary of the prophet Haggai. Remember, we started this year by studying the book of Haggai. Then, Ezra, yeah, keep this picture on, I'll refer to it. Uh, we, we started with the book of Haggai, then Ezra, then Nehemiah, and we're landing in Zechariah. But actually, Zechariah takes us all back to the same timeline as the book of Haggai, right? So 
Haggai and Zechariah are actually friends. They actually knew each other, I, I, I believe. They actually are, are prophesied with God in the same timeline. And if you remember Haggai, Haggai uh, uh, prophesied on behalf of God about rebuilding the temple. So the Israelites came back into the promised land and they found the temple to be desolated, to be destroyed, to be in ruin. And Haggai says, take courage because God said, rebuild the temple. So the whole book of Haggai is about rebuilding the temple and Zechariah is no different. So why this picture is because Haggai being the older prophet, more wise, more mature, more solid, more grounded in maturity says, hey, we rebuilt the temple one, two, three, four ways. Read the book of Haggai. There's four ways to rebuild the temple. There's structure one, structure two, structure three, structure four. And we rebuilt it with the four columns. So in the 16th chapel, Haggai would have been the civil engineer. He would have been the guy that says, we're going to build this column here. We're going to build this ceiling like this. We're going to build this column and the stained windows in this position, that's the book of Haggai. Then we come to Zechariah. He's the younger of the prophet. They believed him to be in his 20s when God used him to prophesy. So he's that young, right? I, I wish I was in my 20s, but I'm not. I'm in my uh, mid-late 30s already. But if, if Zechariah were to help Haggai, what would he be doing? He would be the Michelangelo of the 16th chapel. He would be painting the great pictures uh, uh, that you see at the back. And, the, and, and in all the paintings of the 16th chapel, in all great paintings, you will need always some interpretation. Why did he paint these, and these guys naked? Does it, do they have to be naked? We don't know what's going through Michelangelo's head. We need to then interpret. Why did he print God and this guy almost touching, but not touching? Why, why couldn't they touch? Why does it have to be one or two centimeters apart? We wouldn't know what he's going through. So we, uh, being part of the future history, we need to interpret what the artist is saying. So there are a lot of interpretation of Zechariah, and today I want to give you one. So I want you to remember that as you read the book of Zechariah, and today my, one of my objectives is to encourage all of you, in the next eight weeks, hopefully you're in cell, but if you're not, read through the book of Zechariah. There's only 14 chapters, so breeze through, and if you don't understand, take some of my overviews, uh, and then try to apply it as you read, and hopefully that will help guide you through your reading of the book of Zechariah. Is that all right? So we can chop Zechariah, if Zechariah is a big elephant, you know, uh, we necessarily care that's an elephant, we must always slice it before we read the Bible. If I can slice the elephant into five pieces, it will be this. It will look like this. Uh, uh, there will first be an introduction, like every great book. Uh, the first six verses, Zechariah introduces the book to everybody. He says, this is the main theme of the book. Hello, take it. This is the main theme. Then he goes into the next six chapters, which confuses the whole world. About It's called the eight visions and the one crown. Zechariah says, hey, I'm going to give you eight visions. And then I'm going to end the vision with one crown. Then a lot of people ask, the, is the crown the vision? Is the crown uh, not a vision? Is it a prophecy? We don't know. We'll study it. And then Zechariah says, I'm going to conclude. But the conclusion is very open-ended. He does not conclude the book with the end. He concludes the book with to be continued. That's how he concludes the book, all right? And then chapter 9, all the way to 14, he talks and prophesies about the two, well, one kingdom of God that is about to come. But the first messianic kingdom, which is Jesus Christ, and then the second messianic kingdom where Jesus Christ comes back again. Now, in the, in the first three sections, we will study in the year 2020. All right, so we're going to, in the next eight weeks, we're going to study the next eight chapters. And in the second section, we're going to study it next year. 
Why next year I'm going to come again on the first week of January where Pastor Chu will unleash the books that we're studying in 2021 and then you will realize, hey, next year we're going to study a little bit about Jesus Christ's kingdom on earth coming again, coming again. So stay tuned next year. Excited to see all your face again in this very auditorium same time next year and we will study chapter 9. Are we all with me? Yeah? Okay, move on. First point. So there's five points on the overview of Zechariah. And the first R that I will give is return. That's the main theme of the book of Zechariah. God is asking the people of God to return. Now, when you read the book of Zechariah, why I like it is because it's very intense just like me, right? It starts off, boom, right? It does not start off slow. It does not prepare you uh, for the book of what God is going to say. It starts off hitting the ground running. And if you read it, it says in verse number two, the Lord is angry with your forefathers. That gets your attention. Now, that's one way for the, any author in the world to get anybody's attention. The Lord is angry with your forefather, but that is not the theme of the book. That is not the theme of the introduction. The theme of the introduction comes in verse number three. Therefore, tell the people. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Read the yellow for me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me. Declares the Lord Almighty. Says the Lord Almighty. Now, that's the main thing. Introduction, and that's the main theme of the whole book. God is asking his people, return to me, come back to Jerusalem, come back to Israel. Don't stay out of Jerusalem, don't stay out of the will of God, don't stay in your exile, don't stay in the influence of the enemy, don't stay in foreign kingdoms and, and thinking that you are wealthy and you're basking in the wealth of your riches. Do you know that in, in those times, Babylon was the biggest, wealthiest, most technologically advanced city in the whole world? So everybody wants to be in Babylon, just like in Malaysia. Everybody wants to be in KL because KL is the center of finance, the center of commerce, the center of business. Everybody wants to be in Babylon, but God is saying, don't stay in Babylon. Don't stay in the city where God did not ordain you to be. Come back. Return to me and God gives you a promise. And if anything today, we always say in the church, every promise is yes amen, and amen in Jesus Christ. And if you're thinking to yourself, actually, what are the promises of God? This is why I love the book of Zechariah. There's so many promises of God. What are the promises of God that I can claim from my life? Today, there are going to be five. And if you can memorize all five, you've done very well. The promises of God is this. If you return to Him, He will return to you. It's a promise. If you say yes to God, God will say yes to you. If you say, yes, God, I will come back into the will of God. What do you want of me? Do you know in the book of Zechariah, the action word is the word obey. It comes out a lot. It comes out in chapter 3, chapter 7, chapter 8. It comes out in chapter 10. It comes out a lot. Obey. Obey. If you return to God, God will return and dwell with you. He will guide you. Today, I want to encourage everybody before I move on. Search our hearts as the song that we just sung. Search our hearts. Are we far or are we close to God? If you are far, don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. Today, feel the need to come back. To say, God, today is a prophetic word for me. I want to come back to you, God, because I want you, God. I know that you will receive me with open hands. I want to return to you. Will you return to me? And if you read Zechariah in that lens, you begin to see everything God says 
I do this because I want you to come back to me. I do this because I want you to come back to me. He is like a loving father, a big almighty father saying, I do this, 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 because I want you to come back to me. If I discipline you, it's not because I hate you, but because I love you and I want you to come back. But if I give you blessings, it's not because I just want you to be rich and rich for no purpose. I give you blessings because I want you to come back to me. That's the book of Zechariah. Amen, church? Will everybody say return? Return. Let me move on to section number two. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about section number two and number three in, 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 in structurally, so bear with me, and then I'm going to give a, a shameless promo a little bit, all right? So section number two talks, it, it looks something like this. So when you read the eight visions, and when you read the one crown, read it with the lens of Zechariah, where he structured the book in a very chiastic structure. What does that mean? It means that the first vision and the eighth vision have the same theme. The four horsemen and the four chariots talk about the same thing. The second vision and the seventh vision about the four horns and the four craftsmen, about the woman in the basket, has the same theme. The third and the sixth have the same theme. The fourth and the fifth have the same theme. And then he ends with one crown. And he ends with the climax of the book saying that all these visions point to one thing, the crowning of Joshua. What does the crowning of Joshua mean? Stay with us for the next five weeks. We will explain. That's the second big section of the book. That's how you read it. And this is the third section of the book, the conclusion. And he frames it in the same way. All right? The A is the same as A0, which is, excuse me, the beginning of chapter 7 is the same as the ending of chapter 7. What's the beginning? You read the beginning. It says, men, the Jerusalem men, the Jews, are asking for favor from God. That represents us, no? And the ending of book eight says many people are also asking for favor from God. So it goes the same way. B is the same as B not. C is the same as C not. D is any climax in the middle of the book this time. So the second section climax at the end. The conclusion climax at the middle. And the middle is this. You will be my people and I will be your God. Now, I'm not going to talk about these two structures today because it would, then we will be here until kingdom comes, all right? So uh, what I will do, uh, uh, what I'm going to do for the young adults, and I invite the whole church to join me if you, if you should so choose, is that I will do part two and part three of the book of Zechariah. Part two, I will talk about the visions and I talk about the structures and what does it mean and unpackage a little bit, just a little bit about the visions and the one crowd. That's next Wednesday at 8.30 via Zoom. So in your comforts of your own home, you have your pen and paper, come and join me via Zoom. Then on part three, which is next Friday, I will unpackage the conclusion. Why did Zechariah choose to have these structures in his book? Right? Uh, uh, how does it apply to our lives? And I will give out cell notes, which means that you can take it, cell leaders, and go and study it in your cell along together with the pulpit. So this is not a pulpit teaching, it's not standalone. Please go and read it on your own. Is that all right? Okay, so shameless promo over. Uh, let's move on to the sermon. Okay, I want to talk about chapter number two. First, God says, return to me. And in the second section, God says, rebuild, then you will rejoice. Rebuild then you will rejoice. Because remember, Zechariah was prophesying when the temple was not yet built. The temple was still in ruins. And Zechariah was trying to excite the people to say, come back to rebuild the temple of God. And it is the same message in this time and season. God is saying, no matter what is happening in the world out there, whether it's a political 
thing or a racial thing or a gender thing or nations, again, nations thing, whatever happens out there, God is saying to his people, will you return to me? For what? To rebuild. Rebuild what? Rebuild the temple. Whether it's the church, whether it's your life, whether it's your family, whether it's your work, God is encouraging you, will you come back to rebuild the temple, your temple? Because it starts brick by brick by brick. There will be a rejoicing when you build the temple. God says in Zechariah chapter 8, I will turn your fasting into feasting. You'll be feasting with God. Every time you hear the word feasting with God, when, when you're eating together with God, it always speaks about victory. That's why in Psalms 23, it says, you have prepared a table before in the presence of my enemies. You have prepared a table before me, which means I'm eating when my enemies are trying to fight me. That is a symbolic term for victory. And God says, when you return and when you rebuild, I will give you victory and you will be feasting. And we're Malaysians. We love to feast, all right? In, in, in the book of Zechariah, feasting for them means grapes and naan bread and hummus. Feasting for us Malaysian means nasi lemak and chicken. Am I getting you hungry? I'm going to eat after this as well. Nasi lemak, it means fried chicken, it means soup noodles, whatever it is that you like to eat, right? It means feasting with God. We are victorious in God. And all the six chapters of Zechariah section number two climax with this one verse. And I want you to claim this promise of God this morning. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Read it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Every time I'm down, Every time I think, wow, ministry is hard, my work is hard, my family life is hard, I have to be stretched on all fronts and everybody wants the best of my time and, and everything that I have to give them. And I always say, God, I'm, I, I cannot do this. I am mere mortal. I'm flesh. I don't have um, all the strength in the world to give. And God always encourages me. And even just before last week, I was just clicking something online. The sermon happened to be Zechariah 4, 6, not by might not by power, but by my spirit. And in the whole 40 days, as I was thinking, there is only one verse that came to my heart, not by might, not by your power, but by my spirit. You see, when we rebuild our lives, when we rebuild the temple, whether it's the church, your lives, your family, your work, whatever it is that you are rebuilding, and many people in this season, we're focusing on rebuilding work. I want to encourage you, that's okay. Do you know that our work is also a pleasure unto God? We are also stewards of our workplace, stewards of our business. And God is saying that I will also help you uh, rebuild your business. Don't you worry. It's not only about the church. It's also about you. God cares for you rebuilding your business. And in this season, God is saying, will you rebuild whatever it is you want to rebuild by your strength or by God's strength? There's only two ways about it by your strength or by God's strength, by your might or by His Spirit. Because many a times, if we look in the eyes of our flesh, if we look in the eyes of our physical, we can see this is a great church plan. This is a great business plan. This is a great plan for my nation. This is how I want my nation to look like. In, I, in my way, in my eyes, in my strength, I will build, I will build, I will build. And God says, in your strength, when you build without Jesus, the Bible says, you labor in 
vain. Because there is no legacy. God is saying, when my spirit goes with you, I not only give you victory, I want to give your generation victory. I want generations after generations to realize the legacy that you have started. That's the book of Zechariah. Because the visions not only point to the building of this temple, the, building points to, uh, the, the vision points to the building of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then it not only points to the building of the temple of the Holy Spirit, it points to the building of the temple at the end of days. Zechariah is saying, God is saying, when you build the church, it is not about you, it is about the kingdom of God, and when you build with His Spirit, God will give you a lasting legacy that will last not just in your timeline, but in your generations to come. Will you rebuild with God's Spirit? Will you imbue His Spirit within you? And says, God, I need you. And if we haven't done so, today is the day to come back. When you're online, if you haven't done so, today is the day to come back to God and says, God, I have tried to do it without you. And this applies to everybody. Do you know in the 40 days, or even before or in the MCO, there was a period of time where, oh, I was so stretched in all directions. I was so overwhelmed. I was so pressured with, with everything that was going on. I did for a season of time. And God rebuked me. You are trying to do things in your own strength. And you think you can do it all. And you are getting tired. And you are getting grumpy. And you are snapping at everybody, including your wife, who does not deserve it. You're getting tired, Isaac, because you're doing it in your own strength. And I had to release it all. I had to get on my knees. And I said, God, I repent. I repent that I'm trying to do it in my own strength. Will you come into my life and will you help me? Will you help me see things from a God perspective? Help me change my heart to a God heart. Why? Because, God says, when you rebuild your life with God, the one most important thing to remember is to revere Him. That is exactly how Zechariah concluded his first section. When you rebuild the temple, there's one question God asks you first and foremost. Do you revere God? Do you fear God? Or do you fear men? Do you want God or do you want men? Your own flesh. Do you revere Him? Do you treat Him as holy? You know, in the, in the conclusion of chapter 8, if you read 7 and 8, there's only one big theme. God, uh, God gave Israelites back their homeland. God says, I will dwell in the temple as long as you rebuild it. I will do this for you. I will do this for you. I've given you promise after promise and favor after favor. You know, the favor of God in the book of Zechariah really is this. Sum it up in this point. I will give you a double portion. Your, your, pros, your towns and your barns will overflow with prosperity. God is saying that I will surround you with a wall of fire. I will reside in the heart of your temple. I will be with you. And why are you not still revering me in your heart? Why not? Because the, 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 the Jews that time were saying to God, really, thank you for your promises, but do I really still need to do the Feast of the Tabernacles? Really? It's just another feast. Do I need to fast, God? Really? Do I need to pray, God? Really? Do I need to open the scrolls? Remember Ezra came back with the scrolls? 
Do I really need to open the scrolls and be in a temple courtyard and hear the word of God? Do I really need it? Do I really need it? Now I'm back. Can't we just build our nation? Can't we just build our homes? Can't we just uh, go about our lives? And God rebukes the whole nation and says, at the end of the day, if Jesus is not the center of your heart, if you do not fear God as holy and pure, then you build in vain. Then you build in vain. And his eyes are roaming throughout the earth looking for somebody to build his temple, putting God in the center. And today I want to encourage everybody. When we rebuild whatever it is we want to rebuild, do we fear God? Do we treat him as holy? Because he is holy. He is never going to stop being holy. He is the constant of holiness. And it's only us that decides today I want to be holy, tomorrow I want to take a break. I want to take a break. I want to take a break. Okay, maybe I'll be holy a little bit. Then I want to take a break. Then I want to take a break. And God is saying, I want to encourage you. Your lives is no longer your own. It belongs to Jesus. And God says, will you be holy? Not because he wants to give you laws. Not because he wants to regulate your life. Will you be holy because I can then reside in you and you can host that presence and you can walk in victory. You can walk in hope and you can walk in peace. Then you can walk in joy and you will be blessing to the nations and to the nations and your children will call out Abba Father and your generations to generations will be blessed. Will you not treat me as holy? Bow before me, revere me. That's the first part of the book of Zechariah. And this is how Zechariah closed the first chapter. The same way the book of Haggai, the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah closed the book. Oh, before that, this is the conclusion of the book of Zechariah. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. That's God's promise. That's the third promise. You're faithful to me, God says, I will be faithful to you. I am yours and you are mine. I am yours and you are mine. But in all these promises, in all this grandeur, in all these visions and prophecies and, and everything, this is the main theme of the four books of 2020. Haggai says, build the temple of God. Build the church. Build your temple of the Holy Spirit. Ezra says, Build yourself on the Word of God. Stand firm on the Word of God. Every day at the, at, at the courtyard, publicly declare the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Open up your Bibles. That's what Ezra is saying. Nehemiah says, build your walls. Build your prayer life. Ah, you, you know, Nehemiah has the longest prayer in the, in the whole Bible. Nehemiah is saying, what are your walls? Prayer, prayer, prayer. Are you building your prayer life or are you not? And Zechariah says, build your vision. When you want one, two, three, you must know the why. You must know why you are serving week in, week out as a worship team, as the Floor Connect team, as your Mac team, as your cell leading, as your ministry leading, whatever you are doing as you're coming to church week in, week out, why are you doing it? Are you doing it ritualistically just because you need to do it? Or do you have a strong why? Do you know why you're doing it? Do you still have the passion of God burning within you? Do you still want the gospel of God to go out into the world? And in these four books, Nehemiah 13 sums up it up for all of us. In these four books, 
the people of God left the temple deserted, desecrated the Sabbath, dishonored the wall, and have a distant heart. Guess what? When you really read the four books, it ends this way saying that the human condition and the human heart, oh, this is a heavy message for an 8.30 service, but we got to say it because this is the book of Zechariah. At the end of the day, the human condition and the human heart is always to walk away from God. It's always to say, God, I know you're this way. I know you're this way, but it's really difficult. So I'm going to turn 180 and I'm going to go that way. I can only pray for a short period of time and then I'm going to fizzle out. I can only read the word of God for a short period of time and then I'm going to fizzle out. I'm only going to serve and build the church of God for a short period of time and then I'm going to fizzle out. And God says, I know. I know that in your flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. I know, even for me, I know that there are times that you're going to be discouraged and you're going to forget the things of God and you're not going to walk step by step in the spirit. God says, I know that is the human condition and it speaks of every single one of us. But this is why I love the book of Zechariah because Zechariah does not end with Nehemiah chapter 13. Zechariah has another six more chapters to go. Five more chapters to go. And this is how Zechariah ends. Zechariah says, I will bring you hope. This is not the end of the human story. This is not the end of our Christian journey. That there is hope. Will you not look up and say, God, you are my hope. You are my hope. Why? Because Zechariah chapter, uh, the, the fifth or fourth section says in 9.9, rejoice for I will rebuke. What is the hope? The hope is, is Christ Jesus. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes for you. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, in the human condition, before Zechariah chapter 9, uh, the people, God is saying to the people, will you do this, then you will experience me. Will you do this, then you will experience me. Will you do this, then you experience me. And chapter 9 realizes that in our human flesh, we cannot achieve all that. So God says, at the end of the day, I need to send my one and only son to win the battle for you. Because we cannot win it ourselves. And God is saying, see, your king comes to fight for you. You don't have to go and fight for your king anymore. This is a king that fights for you. Will you not rejoice and celebrate the king and welcome the king in because he wins the battle for you? But he does not come like a conquering king to establish himself as a physical king in this whole world. He comes as a servant king where God asks you to light the incense on the temple every day. This king comes to wash your feet. Where God says, will you not open the word of God every day and read it to yourself? This king says, I am the living word and I will reside in you every day. Where the Old Testament and the old grace says, will you not build your walls of fire around you? Your king says, I will come and be your wall of fire when you fail. When the Old Testament says, build your vision and build your strong why in God. Make sure you have a why. Your king says, I know you cannot. So I will come into your life and every day I will remind you of your why. And your why is found in your king. He is now living within you and he is going to be your hope. He is going to be your salvation. And that's the beauty of Zechariah. Zechariah says, do not forget that your king fights for you. You don't have to fight for yourself. 
You don't have to fend for yourself. You don't have to, to, to fight everybody so that you can have a position in the world. Jesus says that if you know your identity in me, I will give you your position in the world. You don't have to fight for riches and your legacies from years to years to come. If I, should I leave my business to my first son, second son, third son, my first daughter, second daughter, third daughter? God is saying that if you put your hope in me, your king will fight for your business for you. I will be your legacy. Jesus will be your legacy. Will you not receive this king in into your life, riding lowly on a donkey, coming to serve you? Can you imagine the king of kings, the lord of lords, the guy who knows the past and the future, the guy who holds the whole world in the palm of his hands, and he comes into your life and he says, I want to wash your feet. I want to serve you. Why? Because now I'm returning to you. I come to you. Why? Because I love you like a father. Why? Because I know that you cannot fulfill your end of the covenant. So I will fulfill it for you. So that you can freely worship me. Free from guilt. Free from condemnation. Free from the shackles of this earth. Free from the chains of this earth. If you receive me, if you receive the King, you will experience freedom and hope in Jesus Christ. That's the encouraging word. Will you receive hope in Jesus Christ? Will you allow Him to wash your feet and says, thank you Jesus for washing my feet, but you wash it for a purpose so that I can forever walk clean in your ways. Not dirty, but I can walk clean in your ways. But that is not how Zechariah ends the book. He says, rejoice because Jesus is coming to rebuild not only a physical temple, but he's now coming to rebuild a spiritual temple. Watch, watch this, watch the overview having another classic structure. It starts with, will you return to Jesus? Will you rebuild the house? When you rebuild, you will rejoice and be glad. Because ultimately, God is saying, will you revere Him? Then it moves on to say, will you now rejoice? Because Jesus is coming to rebuild the temple, our spiritual temple. But that's not the end. The end comes back to return. Because Jesus will return to earth again. This time, no longer as your servant king, but as your Saviour King. He comes again no longer to wash your feet and to serve you and to die for you and to bear your sins on that cross and to bear the wrath of God on that cross and to bear and to pave way for your reconciliation with your Father, pave way for your forgiveness, pave way so that you will love Him, revere Him, fear Him, treat Him as holy. He not only comes, He comes and achieves that in the first round, but He says, they will come a time that I will return no longer on a donkey, but I will return on a war horse. And in Zechariah 14, that day is a day where they know no morning and know no night. There is no cold and there is no warm. That day is a day special to the second coming of Christ, where the whole world will be filled with evening. There will be darkness across the land 
every single place, the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere, then there will be a light from heaven that comes. And that light is Jesus Christ on a war horse. And the whole world will know that He is Lord. Because in Zechariah 14, chapter 9, it says, the Lord will be King over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord and His name, the only name. And every tongue in the world will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee in the world will bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord again. He is coming for you once again. But on that day of His return, Zechariah says, He will hold everybody accountable for every gift that He has given you, for every talent that He's given you, for every breath that He's given you, for every dollar and cent that He's given you, for every strength that He's put in you, and He will ask you, what have you done to rebuild your spiritual temple? What have you done? And every soul will have a one-on-one time with God. And He has one question, and the answer is only twofold. Well done good and faithful servant or get away from me I do not know you there's only two answers and on that day when Jesus returns again our prayer is that we all can say and hear well done good and faithful servant that's how we live our lives Zechariah says that there is hope that there is hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ pays that reconciliation between us and the Father so that we can be free to worship Him, revere Him, fear Him and says, God, You are holy, so I want to be holy. And when we rebuild our lives this time around, God is saying, have you treated my gospel holy? Because I know that there are friends and family out there that if Jesus Christ were to come again right now, we are very unsure where they'll go. Same for you. You're not sure where you will go. Some of you may be far from God. Some of you may have forgotten God. Some of you may have tried to run away from God. But today, if you forgot everything, including the Sistine Chapel, just remember this one thing. The book of Zechariah, the name of Zechariah says, Yahweh remembers. Yahweh remembers. He not only returns for you, He not only asks you to rejoice and rebuild, but He remembers. He remembers you. And He says, no matter if you are in exile, or you are in captivity, or if you're very far away, I want you to be encouraged. God remembers you. He remembers. It is not too late to come back to God and says, God, I want to give my life to you again. I want to commit again to you. I may have been far. I may have been backslidden, but I want to commit my life to you. God remembers. If you're going through a very hard time in your work, I want you to be encouraged that you are not forgotten by God. God did not forget you. God did not leave you to fend for yourself in the business world. God remembers you. And He says, will you return to me and I will return to you. If you're having problems in your family and you're arguing all the time on the verge of separation, God is saying that I don't want you to forget that the grace of God goes before you, that you were united in the eyes of the Lord and God remembers your union and your marriage. Will you come back to Jesus? Because Jesus will come back into your homes. God remembers you if you would come back and return to Him because He will return to you. I want you to be encouraged that God has 
not forgotten you. Whether you know Him and received Him as your personal Saviour or not, the moment you breathe life as a baby on this earth, God has already created you by name. He named you before the universe was even born. He knows you by name and He remembers every single face. Whether you are zero months old or 95 years old, about to breathe your last breath, God is saying that I remember you and I'm still calling out to you. I'm still evicting my covenant language upon you. I'm yours and you are mine. Don't forget your strong why. You are His, only His, and He is yours. That's Zechariah. That's Zechariah. And today, with a book such as Zechariah, I want to give an opportunity for everybody, physically and online, to renew your commitment and covenant with God to receive Jesus for the first time in your life. And if you have already done so, to renew your commitment with God. He says, God, that's me. No shame, God. You know, even I had to renew my commitment every now and then. No shame. There's no shame in Jesus Christ. So all heads closed, all eyes closed, all heads bow in this place. If you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit, online, if you feel convicted, there is an online altar call. Will you go in? Somebody will pray for you. There's a pastor there to pray for you. If you feel convicted this morning on two accounts, if you want to give your life back to Jesus and say, God, I want to recommit myself. I know I've been far. I know I've been far, but I want to commit my life back to you again. Here I am, God. I'm returning to you. I'm returning to you. Will you remember me in your love? Will you remember me in your great mercy? Do not judge me by my sins of my youth, but remember me in your great mercy, O God. May your abundant love shower upon my life. And will you receive me into the kingdom in your, into your loving arms once again? If that is you, I would love if you could take a step of faith and to raise your hands. And says, God, I wanna commit my life. I see your hands, ma'am. Thank you so much. I see your hands. I wanna commit my life. I see your hands, ma'am. Thank you so much. I see your hands, sir. I see your hands, ma'am. I see your hands, sir. I see your hands, ma'am. I see your hands, ma'am. God honors you today. I see your hands. I see your hands. God honors you today. Nobody's looking except God. In your heart of hearts, you know that you want to honor God this morning. Online, if you could raise your hands in faith and go to our online altar call. I see your hands, sir. I see your hands, ma'am. Somebody will pray for you. If you could put your hands down. Now, I want to give you an opportunity for those who have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is not too late. Today is your day. And if you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life because I need you, I need your hope, I need your peace, I need your love. Will you take a step of faith and raise your hands this morning? Will you take a step of faith and say, God, that is me, that is me. And right now, if you could raise your hands so I can identify you. Raise your hands and say, Jesus, I want to receive you for the first time in my life. I see your hands, sir. God bless you. I see your hands, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. I'll give it a moment or two. If you want to receive Jesus for the first time in your life, a pastor will come to you and invite you uh, uh, to pray for you. Is there any more? God bless you, church.
Amen, Jesus. Let me pray for everybody. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Whether you want to commit your life or to give your life for the first time to Jesus. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I love you. I want to return to you. I want to rebuild my life. I want to revere you. I want to rejoice in you. And I want you to return to me, God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you resurrected. I believe that you live in me. I am yours and you are mine forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could we rise up church and sing this final song? Father God, it is the cry of our hearts, Father God, that the God who is living, our living hope, come and reside in our hearts today. Come and give us and breathe a fresh breath of life. Give your Holy Spirit to us. Anoint us, Father God. Anoint us for the journey ahead. Anoint us for the prayers ahead. Anoint us for the rebuilding ahead. Anoint us to revere you and to treat you as holy. Anoint us for the rebuking that you're gonna give us if we have not done so. Anoint us, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray, Father God, that this church, everybody in this church, SIBKL, and everybody listening online, we will treat you as holy. We will revere you. We will put you in the center of our lives to say, God, you are the most important, not important, but the most important, Father God. And we thank you, Jesus, that you gave your one and only Son to die for our sins and to live with us. We thank you, Father God. Father God, we, we pray that you separate us now with your wisdom, grace, mercy, and love. Will your face shine upon us? Will you watch our going in? Will you watch our going out? Will you watch our sitting down? And you, will you watch our going out? And we thank you, Jesus Christ, that you love us. You love us so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.